Father Counselor. Jesus. One last time, Jesus. Jesus. Praise the Lord forevermore. Jesus, Jesus, the center of our lives. That is so true. If we stay anchored on that thought, on that, that idea, storms will come, difficulties will come, challenges will come our way. But because we are anchored in Jesus, we will make it through. Thank you for joining us this evening for our Wednesday midweek service. And we just appreciate your participation with us. And uh, we're living in times that are so confusing, as we know. And we keep repeating that, but ever, every moment it becomes even more true. Here we are. We've finished off the practical, the, practically the summer season. August is over. September is here. We're facing our children going back to school and and thing, things starting to prepare what normally would have been uh, toward, the, uh, 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 toward, toward the, the fall season. And yet we're still in the middle of this COVID challenge. And, and all that is connected with that. And what I have found is that when we're in times of turmoil, we have to get ourselves anchored in something. We have to be able to have a foundation that will hold us from slipping away. So as you take your seats there at home and here, uh, those that are helping us here tonight, I want to direct your, your attention to a few remarks that I have from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It has been said, and I believe, that if you stay with the Sermon on the Mount and ju you just strive to live every aspect of it, you will really fulfill the walk of a Christian. You really will. And I want to just uh, hone in on a segment of it that's part of our required reading today. Uh, because I think, as I mentioned in my comments a few moments ago, that in the middle of a, a, a world that is turning upside down and uncertainties in the future, there are certain things that will strengthen our walk of faith. And I want to give you just some practical advice on strengthening your walk of faith. You have a relationship with the Lord. You have surrendered your heart. As we have been able to sing tonight, Jesus has been the center of your life. But when you get moved around and shifted around by problems and situations, very easily that foundation can become clouded in the middle of the storm that we're facing. And, and Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and again, it is part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus sat and taught with his disciples, spent some time teaching. And as I mentioned a moment ago as well, if we just can hone in on a few of the elements, the nuggets of this entire sermon, which I'm not going to cover at all, obviously, uh, but certainly I'll extract from chapter 6 a few things. He opens up by saying the following. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And what I get from verse number 1 is that we need to make sure that as we walk this walk of faith, that we don't walk it to be seen by other people. That we don't walk it so that others can see how consecrated we might be. And Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is really picking up on the context. And during that time, the religious leaders uh, would walk around with their elegant and elaborate robes and uh, with their head up high with pomp and circumstance, even when, we're, when they weren't officiating in the temple. And it was really to show the people how righteous and how holy that they were, or they thought they were. 
And what we need to do today is apply that in our lives. Yes, we have a relationship with God. Yes, we walk constantly trying to strengthen that relationship with him. But let us, let us do it simply to honor God and not to be seen by others as we see the counsel from Matthew in this portion of Scripture. If you look at verses 3 to 5, and I'm not going to read all of them, just a, a few uh, fragments of, of verses from chapter 6. He says, uh, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with a trumpet, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street. And here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew was taking a dig at the religious leaders because they wanted people to know that they were helping the needy. They wanted to be able to show and announce and, and let everyone know. And the teaching for us today is when, when, when you help someone, don't make a public fuss about it. Don't make a public fuss. Thank God that you're able to be able to help them in whatever capacity. If it's your time, your talent, your treasure, and helping them uh, fill out a form, an application, help them across it, whatever it is. In whatever form your act of service is enveloped, in whatever form it takes, uh, don't make a public fuss about it. You know, what, 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 what we do here on earth, God is recording up there in heaven. And, you know, right now during this COVID, there are many people that are in need, and not just need for work and all of that, but need for a shoulder, need for an arm to help them walk, walk through the, the journey of life. Let's not make a big fuss. Let's just help and bless others. And when we have that opportunity, consider it a sacred moment. I was talking to a rabbi friend of mine a, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the feeding programs that we have, the, the pantry that we have here in our church through uh, uh, Vision Urbana. And he was saying, Reverend, you're doing a sacred work when you help people. And it's so true. But let us not make a fuss about it. Let's just do it as unto the Lord. He also says in verses 5 through 8, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. In other words, go to the private place and pray. And I've titled this advice uh, to strengthen my walk is, uh, you know, keep your private prayers private. Keep them private. God is not concerned about how well you conjugate your verbs and how well you structure the sentences. He he's, doesn't want to listen to how elaborate your language skills can be. He's looking to hear the cry of your heart. That's what he's looking. Keep your private prayers private. And there are some prayers that we shouldn't pray publicly. Particularly when you're praying for someone else, you, you may pray out of frustration. Uh, go into your private play, pray, place and pray that private prayer. Keep it private. So don't walk to be seen by others. When someone needs help, go out there and don't make a public fuss about it. When you pray privately, keep it privately. But also when you pray, follow the template that the Lord gave us. And you know what, verses 9 through 13, let me just read 9 and 10. It says, this is then how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven. And there you have the Lord's prayer. Because the question I get frequently as a pastor is people say, I don't know how to pray. Well, welcome to the company of the disciples. They were the same way. They told the Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. And there's a template there that we could look at. And I, I advise you, if you haven't developed your prayer life and prayer time with God, take that Lord's Prayer and read it and reread it. And that, let that be the beginning, the launching pad of your, of your prayer life, which needs to be expanded. The other thing that we see in verses 14 through 15 is about forgiving. And part of the counsel of the, of the Sermon on the Mount was to help those new believers shape their life and the way they carry their lives so that they don't repeat the errors of the past. And apparently, unforgiveness was a stumbling block for them, as it can be today as well. We need to get to a place of maturation 
that we're able to forgive lavishly, not desiring harm to anyone, but rather, you know what, I've gone to a place in my life where God keeps track of everything and one day we'll all have to give account to him. And sometimes we want people to hear our story and our version of what really happened. Forgive. And you know when you forgive, we've taught this in our church so often, you forgive when, you, when the person that has injured you, you wish them well. Get into practice. Strengthen your faith walk by wishing them well and forgive them lavishly. In fact, Matthew is more pointed. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, look at what he says, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So he takes it to a higher degree. Let's be a forgiving follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 16, 17, and 18 talks there about spiritual disciplines. When you fast, he's saying, don't let people see in your face that you're fasting. You know, in one passage it says, go wash your face and make yourself as fresh as you can be so that people don't see in your face the agony that you might be going through because you've started stopped eating for a while. Be careful not to make your spiritual disciplines obvious to other people. That really doesn't help them. You know, and, and you pray, no one needs to know. You fast, no one needs to know. You get down and you read portions of Scripture every day. Just do it. Just be careful not to make it so obvious to others because what it does, it creates an atmosphere where the other person might be struggling and they might feel that they have not reached your level of what they perceive to be spirituality. Be careful not to make your fasting obvious. And then verses 19 through 24, I definitely won't read those, but you need to read those. But I'll read one verse. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We have to be careful, church, in the time that we're living. We're not going to be able to take anything that is here with us to the other side. We came in naked and naked we're going to leave. And sometimes we live under this reoccurring notion in our mind that that's mine, that's mine, that is mine, that is mine. In reality, you only own what you take with you when you go and you pass on to eternity. That's what it's all about. You say, yeah, but what about, that? what about the ones that stay? I need to leave. Well, make arrangements and draw a will. But he's saying here very clearly, watch where you place your heart. It isn't about financial investments, although that verse can be used, that application can be used here and that. For this verse, it isn't about that. Is where is your heart? Is it in that house, that car, that bank account, that whatever? With that whatever? No. Treasures in heaven. That's what we need to be focused on. If we do that and do it constantly, then we're investing in the right place, not here on earth. Right here on earth, things will perish, things will be gone. Who would have thought eight months ago that the market would be where it is today, that the economy would be in the mess that it's in today? But here we are because that's how fickle it is. But when you invest in heavenly treasures, those things don't last while we're here on earth. They last for eternity, eternity eternity. Did I say it? Eternity. Keep that in your mind. Invest your treasures in heaven, for heaven, not here for earth. And finally, the last part that he mentions to us in this portion, verses 24 through 35, he really instructs us to manage the destructive power of worrying. Worrying. Now, there, there are events that happen in our lives that cause us to worry and lose sleep. But we're talking about a worrying that leads to a, a paralysis, a clinical depression. I mean, there's events that occur that, yeah, you hurt and you, and you grieve and you, and you worry and you're concerned and you're stressed for a day, a week, maybe even a month. 
But when it's unending, we need to be careful with that. We need to manage it. Look what he says in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. You know, uh, worry neutralizes the, the power of hope. Worrying neutralizes, diminishes the power of hope because hope is creating an image for tomorrow. And when we worry, we diminish the impact of hope in our lives. And he's saying here, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Really, the, 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 the advice here from the Sermon on the Mount is not so much an application for the church. Listen to me as I get ready to close it out in prayer. It isn't about uh, the, the behavior of the church. It really is about the lifestyle of the individual follower of Christ. So if I'm applying this today, it isn't so much about us aligning ourselves to these, this wise counsel. It is about me aligning myself to this counsel. It's about you, singular, individual, aligning yourself to the wise counsel of the Sermon on the Mount. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you for precious moments like these when we sense your presence here and I know, Lord, in every home that is watching us right now. But Father, we, we gather, yes, to worship you, to express our gratitude, but also, Lord, to be guided by the Holy Spirit to live a life that's worthy and pleasing to you. I thank you, dear God, for the teachings that, he, that, that emerge from the Sermon on the Mount where you, dear Lord, you took time to instruct, to teach, to exhort, to confront, to advise. Help us tonight through the work of the Holy Spirit that we might, Lord, integrate this practical advice to strengthen our walk with you. That it won't be the same old, same old steps that we've had. In particular today where we see Lord, the turmoil, not just in this country, but around the world. We see violence in the streets of cities throughout this country. Help us, dear Lord, that in the middle of uh, the concerns and, yes, even the worries that we have, that we might be strengthened, dear God, by the work of the Holy Spirit deep down inside of our hearts, in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name.